Hey, thanks for tuning in to Goals, Grit, and some woo-woo shit. Today, I have a treat for you. I'm going to introduce you to one of the most impressive people I have ever met. Tembi Becca came to Canada as a refugee with $5 that somebody gave to her on the plane. In this episode, she's going to tell you the story of what happened when she got off that plane and how she's now in a position to empower a million women by 2025. So if you have ever heard yourself thinking things like, I can't achieve my goals, I'm disadvantaged, or I can't achieve my goals, I've had a traumatic background. To me, Tembi's story is the ultimate antidote to those limiting beliefs. And it's funny, because sometimes when people get their limiting beliefs challenged like that, they get a little sniffy. Like maybe they've grown so attached to this limiting belief that it feels like a personal attack. Or maybe they feel like it's lacking in compassion to suggest that they can actually achieve their goals despite facing true adversity. To me, it's lacking in compassion to allow people who've been through hardship to indulge in a victim mentality that keeps them down. Now, I know that might sound harsh. So let me give you a common example from my world. I will often hear people say things like, I can't work out, my knees hurt. And then you point out that there are millions of dedicated athletes all over the world who've had knee injuries or knee degradation, and they still find a way to exercise. And they might get a little sniffy. Now, I am not saying your knees are fine. Ignore your sore knees. I am not saying pretend that your knees don't hurt. And I am not saying don't care for your knees, adjust for your knees. I am saying that sore knees doesn't have to be the end of the story unless you decide it is. In fact, here is a great exercise. Think of a goal that you're trying to accomplish right now. Actually do this. Think of this right now. Okay, we got it. Okay. Now ask yourself, why has that not happened yet? Do you have your reason? Okay. Whatever that reason is, there's your limiting belief. So an example for my world, again, a woman who wants to do full on pull-ups, And if you ask her why it hasn't happened yet, maybe she says, oh, because I'm too old. Or in business, someone might have a goal to start a business that makes six figures profit the first year. And if you ask them, well, why hasn't that happened yet? They might say something like, well, we're in a recession. So the next step is Google your limiting belief with your goal. Older woman doing full pull-ups. Profitable business built during recession. And you are almost always going to get pages of examples that show you that this is totally possible. In this episode, you are going to hear how Tembi has trained her brain to see possibilities where other people would see a brick wall. You are going to hear about her woo-woo vision board and the dream that she wrote down on a cocktail napkin on that flight to Canada. And you're also going to hear about the one thing on her vision board that hasn't come true. And at the end of the interview, I'm actually going to come back and give you my analysis of why Tembi's magic hasn't worked with that one thing. Because maybe you, lovely listener, have one sticky goal that keeps not happening too. So enjoy this interview. You are going to be so inspired and stick around to the end. It's time to get your head out of your ass and start creating a life of no regrets. Whether you want to lose weight, get rich, or manifest a hot threesome on the beach, you're going to want to turn this up. This is Goals, Grit, and Some Woo-Woo Shit with your host, best-selling author and professional butt kicker, Una Duncan. Hello, Tembi. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Una. So excited. 
I am so excited to see your face, dude. It's great. Um, okay. I'm going to jump right into it. I have so many questions for you. I was stalking you, by the way. Do you know that? I was, I was stalking you and Googling you. And so I have a whole bunch of questions for you. But before we jump into that, um, I thought it would be good for the listeners to have a little bit of context. So I was wondering if you could take us back to prior to coming to Canada and you were living in Zimbabwe. What, um, what made you move? Wow. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, I um basically it's honestly there were so many factors. But one of them was there were not the economic situation in Zimbabwe wasn't that great. I just had come out of an abusive relationship and there was the political situation wasn't great in Zimbabwe. People were being targeted. So I moved as a refugee in Canada. Uh and that's basically my journey. And can you tell the story about coming to Canada? I think that you got some assistance from someone on the plane to Canada. Yes. It's such a funny story because, you know, Una, the only reason I ended up in Montreal and the only reason I went to Montreal is because the flight was passing through Paris. And in mm. my mind, I thought that if you're passing through Paris, you get off the plane, you walk around the Eiffel Tower, and then you go back into the plane. I had never flown oh. before. What did I know? So I went to, <laughs> to Montreal, which was completely French. So I'm in the plane with this guy, and he's telling me, oh, so do you speak French? I'm like, no. He's like, you know Montreal is French. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it's <laughs> French. And then he's like, then I'm like, I don't even have any money. And he's like, what, how are you going to get from the airport to wherever you're going? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just coming as a refugee. And this guy had $5 and he gave me his $5. And that's the money I arrived with in Canada. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, geez, Tempe, you got on a plane to a place yeah. that you had no idea about, not even what language was spoken and no, no plan, no money, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast, I want to talk about people with, with big goals and who have a lot of grit. Now that yeah. to me seems <laughs> somewhere on the spectrum of grit to insane. Well, I think I still am insane, but you know, I, I didn't have an option owner. Sometimes insanity comes from desperation. And I think most people, the reason why they don't take those type of crazy risks or insane risks is because they have too many options available to them. I didn't Mm. have any option. I had to make it work. I had to leave Zimbabwe. The political situation wasn't great. I had to leave Zimbabwe. I didn't have any money. And I had to to find a place. and, And I was chosen to go to Canada. And I found myself on a plane to Canada. And... um. I don't know if you know, but I left my daughter when she was 10 months old. When I left, I didn't have an option. I didn't have a choice. So sometimes when you don't have a choice, you do insane things. And those insane things become the best things that could have ever happened to your life. So you did it to um, improve your family's economic situation and to settle yourself in Canada and then go get your daughter. Yes. And also the political situation. I do have to say that. That was very, during that time, people were just being kidnapped from their houses because you didn't support the the government at that time. So there was also very instability. People were dying. People were being killed. So there was that option of like, I can't continue staying here. I have to get out and I have to help my family to get out as well. Right. So as terrifying as the prospect of going to a country you had no idea about with no money, it was worse to stay where you were. Yeah, yeah. I like to say, uh, what's the worst that could happen? I honestly looked at that and was like, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, 
reading from history and there was no Google. At that. Well, it was there, but I didn't know about it. It seemed like, what is the worst that could happen? I'm just going to get there. If there, I have a return ticket, if it doesn't work out, I'll come back. You know? mm. Okay, so what did happen? You landed in Montreal with five bucks and then? Yep. And then I, uh, it was, I landed on December 1st. If you've never been to Canada, December 1st is not a time to go to Montreal. Just so <laughs> you know. So I looked at December 1st, Una, and it was freezing. It was cold. And I had a literally like a sweater in terms of a jacket. It's like a spring sweater. And um, and I get there and I, I kind of told them my story. They knew what was happening in Zimbabwe. So everybody who was coming from Zimbabwe was automatically classified as a refugee. Mm-hmm. And they took, we had to go to the YMCA, but I didn't have money. I had $5 and the taxi was like 30 bucks to go to the YMCA. So I had, I met other Zimbabweans at the airport and one of them had money. So I gave him my, my only $5 and like, this is all I have. And we combined it together and basically we went to YMCA. So I stayed at YMCA for about 30 days until I got a permit to work and I started working. What did you do? Oh, my first job was at a car wash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I met this lady at YMCA and this lady said, Tammy, the car washes in Canada are classy. You've got to work at a car wash. <laughs> and I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And so she convinced me that we had to put on makeup, we had to wear stilettos. What? And we went to this car wash place. And I'm like, we get there, these guys were wearing overalls and boots and we're in stilettos. And then I remember uh, we're trying to clean cars in stilettos. It was so weird. And finally, <laughs> I don't know if she had seen this. She must have seen it in a movie somewhere. So anyway, awesome. yeah, we watched the stilettos and we worked all day and the guy gave us five bucks. The the train at that time was two dollars fifty to with the bus to go from where we stayed to to, to, to this glass out place. So literally we worked all day for the bus fare. Mm. And it was like, I never went back. And then I got another job to fold socks. And then I got a telemarketing job. Mm. That was, I think that's what taught me to sell anything. I, I quit that job right away, actually. And I went to work at a nursing home. And this lady said to me, you know, there's always angels on our path. And people say things. And sometimes you don't realize that that's, that's the next step to your life. And this woman said to me, I was, um, I was, like a nursing attendant, like cleaning people. And she says to me, you need to go to school. Mm. You're very smart. You need to go to school. And I was like, really? How do I go to school? Like, I just came to Canada. Like, how do I do that? And she's mm-hmm. like, go to this college and just apply and just just see. And I am so glad I listened to this woman. She was an, of African origin. I don't know where from. And she was a nurse working at the hospital. And, uh, and I went to the... To, to the school and I applied and boom, I got in. And wow. so eight months later, I started training to be a nurse. Oh, that's wonderful. That must've been, it felt yes. so good at the time. It, it felt so good at the time. Yeah. yeah. It felt so good at the time. And then, so I graduated from nursing and then I, I was in Montreal. I couldn't speak French. So I really struggled fitting in, mm-hmm. uh, in the hospital without speaking French. So I ended up moving to Edmonton. And I remember the first two days, uh, Una, 
I realized like I was working with these women who were older than me. I mean, I was still young, I was in my twenties and these women are older than me and they are limping to work. And I'm like, ha like, and then I, and then I remember they were talking about retirement and everything. And then they were saying like one of them was calculating a retirement and she was going to make 2,100 a month mm. after retiring. And I remember my first paycheck it, as a nurse was $1,800. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I'm going to go from 1800 in two weeks. That was in two weeks, every two weeks. From 1800 to 2100 a month. Once mm-hmm. I retire, this mm-hmm. doesn't seem fair. I'm like, <laughs> I can't work for 40 years just for 2100. So mm-hmm. I started researching and I, I came across a newspaper ad and it said, invest in real estate, get out of the rate race, invest in real estate. It was on the Edmonton Sun. And I attended that event. I went and bought the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I started learning everything I could learn about real estate. I started investing in real estate, buying properties and learning how can I buy properties with no money. Like I was like, I need to get out of nursing. So I, at first my goal was to buy one property because I told myself if I buy one property paid off, at least I'll have 1800 coming from that property. So I, I literally bought a property which was renting for eighteen hundred because my goal was like, okay, I'll have eighteen hundred plus this twenty one hundred I'm getting from my retirement. That's mm-hmm. going to be enough to survive my retirement. That that's how, that was my plan. That was the plan. Okay, that was the plan. Yeah, and then I just, I you know, once you get into real estate. Especially if you get into these real estate clubs and everybody's saying, I've got 100 properties, I've got 50 properties, I've got million properties. You're like, oh, I, I got to catch up. So uh-huh. I, once I got into the real estate thing, I just started uh, learning more and learning more and just investing in real estate. And that's kind of how my journey went. And from real estate, uh, you know, you get to a stage when you're improving yourself. You get to a stage where you're like, you know what, I have, I, I feel like I've acquired enough personally. Um, and now I want to give back. And that's the stage I got to where I was like, I just need to help other people realize how you can invest in real estate with no money. Like I came to Canada with five bucks. So I'm like, I need to teach other people. And that's really where I went into the journey of learning how to teach other people how to invest in real estate and make the amazing owner along the way. <laughs> Tembi. I feel like the leap between you working as a nurse in Montreal and, and then in Edmonton and then doing the math of looking about how much you were, you were set to retire with and thinking, well, that looks like some bullshit. Um, and then you were like, well, that's it. I'll just go and invest in real estate. And you saw an article in the Edmonton Sun said invest in real estate with no money down. Now, let me tell you something. Like mm-hmm. everyone sees that article yeah. <laughs> and very few people. <laughs> create a massive real estate portfolio after seeing that article. What, and especially a lot of people have thoughts like, yeah, but I don't have enough money. I don't have the credit score. I don't have the, you know, um, it's too risky. I'm a single mom. You were a single mom at this time. Your daughter was with you. So what, what do you think enabled you to make this massive leap that, um, you know, most people don't. Was it the same sort of thing? Like that the yeah. the alternative was so un, unacceptable. You're yeah, like 2100 yeah. a month is not going to cut it for Tembi. Yeah, I think when you see the pain point or the other side of something, you realize that this is not what I want. I remember as I'm saying this lady, I can still picture her limping to work. She I think she had, had a knee surgery or something like that. And she's coming to work so that she can finish her few extra years and get retirement. And I'm thinking, 
there's no way I'm doing this. Like, you just have to, I think you have to dream bigger than what you see in your everyday life. Like, when you're seeing somebody like that at work, who seems to be suffering, I mean, I'm sure she was happy. She was, she was happy being a nurse. Nursing is a great job, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't something I was going to do for the rest of my life. I remember, like, the first month I was working, when I was working uh, in Edmonton, my boss bought me a sticker that said, I love nursing. Not because I loved it, but she was making fun of me. Because I no. <laughs> every day, every day, I used to say, I can't believe how people do this. I can't believe how people do this. This is not what I thought nursing was. Like the moment I graduated, I realized I did not go to school to wipe people's palms. No offense. I did not go to school to look at people's everything. I, I thought... <laughs> I thought nursing was about giving pills. So it was kind of a shock for me that I had to touch somebody's private parts and clean them up. And so, yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I enjoyed, Una. I like talking to people. My ideal job would have been to just talk to people and give them pills. That's it. Mm. But I couldn't do that. So it was one of those things where I was like, the pain and the risk What's the worst that could happen? Like, mm-hmm. even if I try this and it doesn't work, what's the worst that could happen? At least I have a job to back, a nursing job, to, you know, to back me up. But I think a lot of people just get stuck in the pain because they don't think there's a better way. Yeah. And when you, when you were like, there's a better way, was it because you joined yeah. these groups and you saw people who were doing it and then you, or did you always believe I can do this? Uh, no, I joined this group. I read an article. Catherine Brooker was her name. She was a former nurse who had retired and had mm. 37 properties at that time or something like that when I met her. And I, I was like, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it. She mm-hmm. is a story that inspired me so much. You know, Right. And then having had so, that, then that's what made you want to inspire others. And so you started teaching other people to invest in real estate with no money down. And am I right in thinking that you focused on women? Is that true, Tembi? Or was it really just Yes. Anyone? Yes, it was women. You know, when I, one of the things when I left Zimbabwe in the plane, one thing I, I didn't tell you is I wrote something. I wrote the words ports. I was bitter at that time, uh, Una, because I had just come out of this relationship and I knew the abuse that was in Zimbabwe for women. And Paul stood for Prominent Association of Widows, Divorces and Spinsters. Hmm. So <laughs> I was going to start this company, big company called Paul's, where I was going to empower these widows, divorces and spinsters. It basically was a single club. <laughs> and so, and so that, that was my goal. And, um, and I mean, this was a 21-year-old me, by the way, writing this down. So please don't judge me. I'm uh, not. I, I'm thinking that's a beautiful <laughs> and amazing goal for a 21-year-old on a plane to Canada I have. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. So anyways, um, eventually what happened is I, um, when, I, when I got this, I was like, you know what? I want to empower women. I always had this goal to empower women, uh, but I didn't know how. Actually, what I did with my real estate profits what I used to do is I used to build wells. Mm. I used to mm-hmm. build wells in Zimbabwe, in remote country, in remote areas. But it was a very slow progression of helping people. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do much. It's gonna take me forever to to empower women. So mm. I thought, okay, maybe I'll teach them how to invest in real estate. 
And actually, my focus was in Africa. I was like, I'm going to teach women in Africa how to invest in real estate. So I started doing that. Um, and with that, I also started realizing that the discrepancies which I left 20 or however many years ago were still there because these women didn't even believe in themselves. They didn't even have the belief to, to invest in real estate. At the end of the day, actually, my class, I think, I remember it was majority men instead of mm. women. The class for the real estate investing ended yeah. up attracting more men than women. Mm. So that was a bit of an issue. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a bit weird. So I, I kind of tried that. And then I hired a virtual assistant. And I trained a virtual assistant in Kenya. And, and I trained this guy, and he was so good. So when I went, I went to Zimbabwe in 2017, still doing the real estate thing, I started realizing that, you know, this real estate thing is not really working very well. Maybe I could teach them how to be virtual assistants. Mm. So that's kind of how I transitioned from um, the whole real estate. I said, at least teaching them how to be, to be virtual assistants, they'll get jobs. Those jobs will help them build the confidence and then they can start investing later on. But trying to take somebody from an abusive relationship who has nothing to straight to buying a house is a big step. And mm -hmm. that's something I didn't realize at first. Yeah. Okay. So can I just, I, just for clarity, you, mm -hmm. um, so you're doing really well with investing in Canada. You started a real estate education company to try and get people to invest in, uh, teach other people how to invest in real estate with no money down. And then you thought, yeah. well, who I'm really passionate about empowering are women specifically in Zimbabwe in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. So let me go and try and get them to invest in real estate. So you went back to Zimbabwe with your real estate education company and you found that it mostly attracted men, that the women there were not ready for that big step. And then you hired a virtual assistant and then you thought, oh, maybe this is the better interim step. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. And no, I didn't physically go back to Zimbabwe. I was just doing, and actually I wasn't just targeting Zimbabwe. I was targeting African women. Got it. So I was just doing this virtual online mm -hmm. and all my, most of my students became male South African guys. I was like, huh, okay. This is not what I was hoping to attract, but, uh, but then what happened during the process, one of my students ended up being my virtual assistant. And that was an easier process. And I realized that's, that's, a, that's an easier leap. And when I went to, Africa, to Zimbabwe in 2017, I started realizing that what I was trying to do, and when I met and heard the stories and just started seeing in newspapers some stories, I realized that what I was trying to do was a bit of a big leap. Maybe mm -hmm. I could just teach them how to, how to be virtual assistants. That's easy. Anybody can do that. You know, and that's <laughs> kind of how I got into that. And so now you have an agency that trains African women to be virtual assistants specifically for digital marketers. Do I have that right? We actually have expanded instead of doing just women in Africa, we've actually expanded to also men uh, because we started also realizing that the abuse was kind of two ways in the sense that some men didn't have role models to show them how to be better people. And because they were so frustrated, they didn't get jobs and everything. So it was just, um, we said, you know what, let's just help everybody. So it's basically now globally, even though we concentrate mainly on women, our company is 90% women. We do have some men who work with us, uh, those rare individuals who, who, um, who are amazing men 
work with us and um and basically a funnels agency now amazing Hey, hey, if you're liking this podcast, you might also like my book, Healthy as Fuck. It's an international bestseller and available wherever books are sold. The audiobook is especially awesome, if I do say so myself. And listen, if you go to fitfeelsgood.com slash healthy AF, I've got a ton of free bonuses for book readers. So make sure you grab those too. Okay, back to the episode. Can you just quickly explain for non-digital marketers who are listening to this what a funnel is? Oh, yes. Oh, I forget. <laughs> yeah. So what a funnel is, it's basically a customer journey. It's, um, it's, you know, when somebody comes to your website and they are looking for something, the funnel is basically the journey of the person from the time they arrive at your doorstep, and by doorstep, I mean website, at your doorstep to the time they buy your product. So we build that journey for you and structuring it and strategize to say, this is what's going to help this person instead of just leaving at the door to go in and finally make a purchase and be your raving client. So when you go to a website, sometimes you'll see something that says, enter your name and email address. Mm. We actually are the one responsible for that. So, mm. And then all of a sudden you're getting an email. That's us. We are <laughs> building all that at the back Magic. Tech stuff. Yeah. It's magically <laughs> tech stuff that happens when you get those emails. That's us. So we help people uh, do that. I love that. Um, Tembi, on your site, some of the people mm-hmm. who are profiled as potential VAs and digital mm-hmm. marketing assistants are really highly educated. Like you have yes. people who have MBAs and law degrees and engineering degrees. Um, and you said that even with these really, um, you know, advanced education, a lot of them did not have the confidence to seek out these kind of positions. Yeah, it was very interesting. You know, people, they were doctors, they are lawyers, they are engineers, but still, because they've been in this environment where they are women, they don't know anything, women don't know anything, women are not smart enough. And I'm I'm saying this in quotation marks because Mm -hmm. that's not true, Mm -hmm. but things like that, they've been told these things over and over again. These are things that are ingrained in us. And when we grow up, those things that are ingrained in us, sometimes it's just so hard to take them out. You know, you're talking about woo shit. This is like some woo shit. This is some woo shit. Like, that's why people need therapy sometimes. Mm. Because you you grow up with, with being told you're not enough. Uh, a PhD is not going to take that away from you. Some mm-hmm. people go to school, actually get an extra PhD so that they can try to prove that they're enough. And then they realize still, I'm not enough. Yeah, You just I, have to work on yourself. You just have to have, you know, healing and inner therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I've certainly seen that, you know, for example, in the fitness industry, I used to mentor emerging yeah. fitness professionals and they were always like, I'm not fit enough. I need to get another yeah. certification, you know? And I'm like, no, man, you just need to get out there and start helping people. That's the only yeah. way you're going to feel qualified is just by doing it. Um, but tell me, why, how did you have the confidence? Because you grew up in that same environment. What is it? And you have been, and you, you know, came to Canada and you were in a specific environment. And then you, in every situation, you have risen above what the usual standard is. What do you think it is about you that's able to do that? Hey, dude, if you are enjoying this episode and you have a friend that you think might also benefit from this information, please share it with them. That helps my podcast so much and it's going to help your friend. Share the love. Thanks so much.
a couple of things. Definitely not about me, but I think the first one is mentors. I think people don't seek out mentorship enough. I think we try to convince ourselves we can do things, but I think what a mentor does, a mentor believes in you before you can even believe in yourself. Mm. A mentor pushes you to the extreme, and it make, he, makes, he or she makes you think that you can do things which you don't even think you can do. And so I think there's really power in mentorship, and I know there's power in mentorship, and I think people don't seek mentorship enough. So I had mentors along the way, and some mentors came from my teachers from nursing school who mm. told me, you're so brilliant, you can do this. Or mm. from, from real estate or from any other community. Like every time I go to something, I think the first thing I do is I seek a mentor and that really has helped me. And be in a community of people, surround yourself with people who are just positive dreamers, who are seeing better than you. Because if I go to my mom and tell her, mom, I'm going to make a million dollars next year or this year, she'll look at me and like, are you crazy? Mm. No. But if I'm surrounded by people who are like me, They'll be like, oh, no, that's too low, Tammy. You should short higher, you know, and <laughs> things like that. So that's really one of the things you, you people don't do. You don't, They don't surround themselves with a mentor enough. And the other thing is people don't work on themselves. And I think where you have to work on yourself a, a lot. One of the ways you work on yourself is by doing some routines in the morning. Meditation. Write down your goals. You know, Una, every year, and I'm sure as long as you've known me, every year I have a vision board of a skinny girl. Because I'm like, I'm going to be skinny. It doesn't happen. Something I'm not doing right in the, in the weight department. Because, you know, every morning when I open my computer, my vision board is my screen cover. I, I look at that vision board and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And I am practicing my brain and making my brain realize these are things that I have to do. I have no option. I listen to a podcast with my headphones on every morning, podcasts like this, podcasts that are about people who are sharing their stories. And I just keep going and I just keep going and I just keep going. And I think people don't do that enough. People don't invest in themselves. You can't. You can't grow using the same mindset you had a year ago. Mm -hmm. You have to work on yourself. Yeah. And, you know, Chandi, as long as I've known you, you have been just so rigorous with training your brain to yeah. be the kind of person that will accomplish the stuff that you want to accomplish, which is you've got massive goals. And by the way, another time I'm going to get you back on the podcast because I would love... <laughs> To delve into why you may be able to accomplish everything on your vision board and the skinny girl thing hasn't happened yet, because I really do think there are <laughs> transferable skills there. But anyway, we won't touch yeah. that today. Um, but um, I wanted to ask you about the woo-woo mindset stuff and the vision board, because mm -hmm. I feel like one of the biggest mm -hmm. criticisms of woo-woo mindset personal development is this idea that like, what, so people in developing countries in horrible situations just don't have a strong enough mindset? What what do you say about that? Uh, that's a very interesting thing. In North America, there are people who are homeless and there are people who are billionaires. In Africa, I have I'm in South Africa right now as we're recording this. I have seen people who have so much money they don't even know what to do about it, and I've seen people who have nothing at all. I remember a story where somebody's two guys who grew up in the same household. And they were interviewed. And the other one was wealthy, filthy rich. And the other one was on the street picking bags. And they were interviewed. And the, the interviewer asked the same questions to this person. 
and says the first one, the rich guy is like, how did you become who you are? And the guy says, I had no option. Like I grew up homeless. I had nowhere to stay. I had to work hard and change my life and improve my situation. I was like, hmm, okay. And then they asked the second guy, the, the guy on the street, so how did you become who you are? Like, how did you end up like this? It's like, I had no option. I was born on the street. I had nowhere to go. I was homeless. What did you expect of me? I had no option. This is how I become what I would. And I think there is a mix in Africa and anywhere else. Your environment and your upbringing has very little to do with where you are. Because I can tell you, I grew up walking 10 kilometers to school. And there's people I grew up walking with who are selling tomatoes on the street. And after staying in Africa and living in Africa, I do believe it's mindset. A lot of people do not change their mindset and they don't up-level their mindset. They just, just switch into the blame level. I've seen this even in the women I train. The ones who have succeeded, the VAs, when I, when I was training the VAs, the ones who succeeded are the ones who didn't have the victim mindset. They just went out there. They attracted whatever was positive to them. They said, I am going to be the best. I want to be your case study. I'm going to be one mm. of the best. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to be your CEO. I had the girls, one of the girls who told me she's going to be my CEO. She's still with me right now. She's not a CEO yet, but she is still with me right now. And the ones who were like, um, I'm just going to show up to work, finish my job and go home. Some of them don't even work with us. Mm. And some of them are back in the streets selling tomatoes. So it definitely is about the mindset, whether you're in Africa or you're in North America. I wanted to ask you, I saw something you were quoted online. I'm going to read it back to you, but I'm going to ask you a question about it. You said, growing up in Zimbabwe, the charity organizations I always saw seemed to support women weaving, herding cattle and sewing clothes. My dreams were bigger, bigger than getting a new goat or a bag of beans. I dreamt of owning a business, flying to America and changing the future for African women. When I found myself a third wife, my dreams didn't stop. I just wanted to change the future for women in Africa. Six months ago, I took what seems like an impossible journey. I collected laptops from friends in Canada and started teaching women in Zimbabwe to work online, create websites online, and earn income in the currency they choose. What if our next Bill Gates came from a woman in an African village? It's possible. 80 women, some who have never used laptops in their lives, are now coding, creating websites, and working on apps. So the first thing, which I mean, when I read that, it's just like your vision is so freaking clear. Like I can tell you're like picturing it and you're picturing yeah. the next Bill Gates coming out of a woman in an African village. And I freaking, I love the clarity of your vision and I love that it's so much bigger. And the second thing I want to ask is, um, yeah, do you think that that, um, that image that you got from the charities of the Zimbabwean woman with the goat, did you find it patronizing? You know, when you were growing up with those charities, did you feel like they're trying to keep us small? This podcast is made possible by Fit Feels Good, my online fitness and nutrition company. Here's what we do. I have so many incredible benefits from the MFA program. It literally changed my life. I have the book, Healthy AF. I'm absolutely in love with my life now. I find that the healthy habits that I built are amazing to go back to. 
The benefits that you're going to see as a woman in your 40s plus are things you could have never imagined. The key, which I know Una talks about over and over again, is loving your body now, not what you're envisioning it to be. I'll give you an example, Una. You're not going to teach your son, oh, you've got two handsome boys. You're not going to teach them how to, um, how to have a goat and, and start a goat in business. Mm-hmm. But then you go to Africa, you decide that you see a little boy, and you decide that that boy, I can give him a goat, and that's going to change his life. And I'm not saying that doesn't change people's lives. It does change people's lives. But your son, you're probably thinking of teaching him how to code mm-hmm. and how to uh, start a business and how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you're buying him a laptop or something so that he could design something. So I think there's, there's a miss there. Like I think this idea that you're empowering people by giving them things that that you wouldn't even do for your own children, I think there's something wrong there. Hmm. I think there's something wrong there. I appreciate what people are doing, and I think it's great, but I, why can't you teach them how to be like you? If you really want to help, why don't you teach them how to be like you? Well, what about, I'm just going to, push back a little bit when you went to Africa uh-huh. and you said, Hey ladies, let's invest in real estate. Like I did, you were trying to teach yeah. them to be like you and they were not ready yet. Yes, I agree. But at the same time, Una, um, when I'm going to go and meeting and all that stuff, that's not gonna, that's a little bit way behind. It's funny because I actually have a family member who wants to say this, like, Oh, I want to, take blah, 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 and, and take them to a school so that they can learn how to do cutting and designing, which mm. is basically sewing. I'm like, what is he going to do with sewing? Like, what can you do with sewing? You know, I'm not saying people should stop. Absolutely. If you, if that's what you can do. And also I think it's important as you're giving, make sure you're not just giving, you're teaching, mm-hmm. you're empowering because this idea of just giving and giving and giving I think that's why Africa is still struggling. That's why the government is relaxed and relaxed in Africa because they're waiting for the Western world to save them. They're waiting for the IMF to give them a loan. They, 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 they're not being initiative or self-initiative because they know that we're going to be saved. We have hunger. We just tell the United Nations, you know, Mm. so. Um, That actually brings me to my next question. I wanted to ask about your mission. And when you Google you, your mission is all over the internet. So can you tell us what your yes. specific mission is? Empower 1 million women by 2025 right now. Uh, I have been challenged to increase that number. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, you're thinking so I, small. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I was told. Level like, up, so Tembi. <laughs> 1 million women by 2025. You know, Una, it feels like when I did this goal, it was in 2019. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's going to be like an easy piece and lemon squeezy. Well, three years later, I have met so many challenges. But it's like, I feel like now I'm ready. I'm ready to take over Africa. And I will. Oh, I believe you. (laughs) So specifically, how will you know whether a woman has been empowered? Like we're not just 
teaching them or saying be employees. We want them to be entrepreneurs. Mm. So whether it's working with me or whether it's working online for somebody, have they managed to at least earn some income so that they can be independent? Because I think what really empowerment is also is like, can I be able, can I, am I self-sufficient enough? Because if they're not self-sufficient, they're not really empowered. Yeah. I, I want to share something, Julie. You know Julie Helmrich? We both know Julie Helmrich. Mm-hmm. She once said to me, one, one time my staff went on strike. And Julie said to me, oh, my goodness, you have empowered them so much they now go on strike. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another way. They go on strike. That's empowerment. It is. That's true. And it's true because you do say, um, you know, your mission is to empower a million women by 2025 so that money is never a reason they're stuck in an abusive relationship. At first, when I started, I used to try, I thought I could do this by myself. And I have learned that if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to go further, I have to go with somebody. So I have done some partnerships and I am working on more partnerships and being on podcasts and sharing about their story, trying to get them to, uh, to as many, as many platforms, as, as many platforms as I can and sharing the message. Yeah. That's awesome. And of course we want yes. everyone to go to digital marketing on demand.io to hire one of Tembi's amazing staff. And you know, Tembi, right now in the business community, I am hearing, I don't know if you are too, a lot of like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the recession's coming, you know, people aren't opening emails anymore, blah, 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 blah. We're going to lose all our customers. Um, Having been through so many um, obstacles already, are you like, recession? I laugh in the face of a recession. Bring it on. Do you feel more resilient than some of your North American um, counterparts? I don't know if I would say I'm more resilient than some of my North America. I think uh, if there is a recession, it's going to affect a lot of people, but it's, it's going to affect us in different ways. It could affect us for the positive or it could affect us for the negative. Um, I always, I love to listen to read people, businesses which were started during recession. Airbnb, that's my favorite story of all time. They started because they were broke. They couldn't afford to pay rent. They needed something to pay rent during the 2008 recession. And that's how Airbnb was started. And so to me, I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, this is a great opportunity because guess what? This is what's going to happen. And I'm looking at it in my business, for example, because my goal is to connect. uh, One of the goals is to connect talent with global opportunity. And I'm like, that's great. Our talent is affordable. There is opportunity in the world. Well, you don't have to hire expensive talent anymore. You can just come to us. So I just see growth. Honestly, I just see like, I feel like this is like the start of an Airbnb for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love this. And I want to point out the pattern here that when faced with a potential obstacle, what you've done is you are thinking, how could this be an opportunity? You've also found the mentor, right? You've identified a mentor in Airbnb. You're like, actually, they did it so I can do it. And you're like, okay, and also let's find out how we can do this and why this is an opportunity. Yeah. 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 Um, so everybody who's faced, look at look at what you're doing right now and think, how can I make this an opportunity? Everybody's going to be stressed about recession. They're going to be eating like crazy, Una. For you, your business is going to skyrocket. 
Okay, I just have a couple more questions. Tammy, can you tell us you are obviously your mindset and your attitude is obviously been a huge contributor to what you've accomplished. You mentioned that you have um, your vision board on your screensaver on your computer. Can you tell us about any other um, daily practices that you do in order to stay in shape as far as your mental and your mindset and your attitude? Yeah. Gratitude journal. I have a gratitude journal every morning. I wake up and I write in my gratitude the things I'm grateful for. I've realized that whatever you are grateful for, appreciate. So I'm always grateful for abundance, grateful for a lot of money, grateful for my family, for my health. And, um, and you know, so because I know that's going to appreciate whatever. I read the Bible now. I never used to. Uh, I now read the Bible. I read about a chapter or two every morning. I actually started reading from Genesis and I'm now on Deuteronomy. And so um, that really has been, it's been interesting for me. And this is not for religious purposes, please. For anybody who's listening, thinking, oh my gosh, she's now teaching us how to be Christians. But uh, no, this is, even for your mindset, because you start listening to these stories about the people who went through this journey and you're like, oh my goodness, and they survived and they did this and they did that. And you start relating. It's just so connected to the business. And it's like, it sounds like my business. It sounds like my business. So I started doing that. Uh, it's been a great part of my morning routine. And um, I used to walk a lot. And then I got sick, so I stopped. But walking and listening to a podcast every morning mm. is also a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be restarting my walking routine every morning because that's just amazing. It's amazing what you can think of the ideas that come when you're walking in nature. Absolutely. And um, yeah. speaking of podcasts, I know that you have a podcast and I know that everyone who listens to this is going to be obsessed with you. So can you tell us how we can follow your journey to empower a million women by 2025 so that no one ever has to stay in an abusive relationship again and how we can support you and where people can connect with you? Thank you, Ona, for that. Yeah, so people can go to listen to She Breaks Through. The through is T-H-R-U because somebody took my domain. So shebreakthrough.com. And you can just go there and listen to other podcasts. Right now, it's a solo podcast. It's just me sharing some ideas. But starting in January, we're bringing in guests. So you'll also meet some guests like Una and an amazing guest are sharing their stories and their journey. So shebreakthrough.com, that's the best way to really get in touch. We've got some freebies which we share in there and quite a lot of stuff. Amazing. Tabia, thank you so much for doing this with me. And thank you so much, Una, for having me. Really appreciate it. Bye. Okay, dude, did you love Tempe or what? So I don't normally do an epilogue to interviews, but remember that part where Tempe says that the one thing on her vision board that hasn't happened is becoming a skinny girl? So after the interview, I reached out to Tempe with my thoughts on that. And she said it would be okay if I shared them with you. So here's the deal. People don't change unless the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of changing. That's a quote from Tony Robbins. So in Tempe's case, we can see that time and again, she made massive leaps forward when the alternative became absolutely unacceptable. The pain of staying in Zimbabwe was so great. People getting kidnapped, being the third wife to an abusive husband. It was so bad that the alternative of getting on a plane and leaving her family to go to a country she knew nothing about with no money and no plan, that was less painful. 
when she went from being a nurse to being a real estate mogul. It's because to her, the pain of thinking that she would spend her life wiping bums as a nurse to retire with $2,100 a month was unacceptable. And she took a giant leap to invest in real estate with no money down. So I think the reason that Tembi hasn't become a skinny girl, in her words, is not because she can't or because there's something wrong with her discipline or motivation. I mean, God, we have seen that that is not true. It's because her current physical condition, it might be like a low-grade bother to her, but it's not unacceptable. She doesn't hate it the way she hated her situation in Zimbabwe or her financial prospects of an, as a nurse. In this case, the pain of changing, of doing all the work to become a skinny girl is greater than the pain of the low-grade annoyance of being in the shape that she's currently in. And when that is the case, and that might be the case for you, lovely listener, my advice is to just take the skinny girl off your vision board. It's not going to happen if you don't want it badly enough to go through the grit to make it happen. And it's just going to buzz in your brain like some unchecked item on your to-do list. and It's going to drive you insane. Instead, your efforts would be better spent cultivating love and acceptance for your body exactly as it is and drive energy towards your other awesome goals, like the ones that burn so bright for you that the alternative is unacceptable. Maybe for you, it's cultivating an awesome relationship with your kids, or maybe it's making a go of your new business so you can be financially independent. For Tembi, it's empowering a million women by 2025. You can hear it when she talks that that is going to happen. Thank you so much for tuning in. And listen, if you like this content, let me know by subscribing and leaving a review. Bye for now. Hey, dude, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you can get the next one. And by the way, if you rate and review this podcast, it really helps me get found by other people who need some goals, grit, and some woo-woo shit. And be sure to connect and DM me at Una Duncan on Instagram and let me know what you thought of the episode. Chat soon. Thank you.